So last Sunday, about 300 of us cyclists set out with a destination. We uh, started riding from uh, Hudson Community College in Troy with the goal of riding to New York City. And so yesterday, a bunch of us, about 300 riders, rode over the Brooklyn Bridge and uh, finished the journey at the Brooklyn Bridge Park right there. And it was, it was a blast. It was a great weather day, nice and hot. And so they had read the about 300 miles over, because it kind of meandered a bit, over the different trails. It's called the Cycle the Hudson Valley Trip uh, Tour. And it's kind of an organized ride. I actually was one of the volunteers. So I, I, I rode every other day. So I would ride one day, and the next day I was in charge of getting ice and water, constantly filling up uh, these, these coolers and stuff. But it, it was really fun. And then yesterday, the, uh, the task was, as people came in, we had to load their bikes into the shuttle. The shuttle would take them back. And so I spent the whole day lifting bikes onto a truck, and then they uh, had to, to tie them into so that you could transport 200-some bikes up to, back up to Troy. But, but it was neat to see people as they came in. And when it was done, when all the trucks were filled, I had a chance to actually take a quick ride. So me and a buddy, we, we rode quickly over the Brooklyn Bridge into Manhattan and, uh, and then back again. And so that was our, our, our trip. But what caught me on it was this idea of riding my bike to, the, to New York City. I, I, I'd only been there a couple times, and the thought of doing that, is that's why I signed up for it. I, I, I saw the destination, and I'm like, I got to do that. I got to get there, whatever it takes. And so that's when I signed up for the volunteer crew. What I want to talk about today, and what I, I see our passage pointing to, is God has set a destination for his people. I believe there'll come a day when those who've put their faith in Jesus Christ, we will enter an even greater city than New York City. We will step into to the, the cheers of, of the angelic hosts, the race, the, the ride will be done, and we will step in and we will hear the cacophony of voices cheering us on as we finish this, this, this destination that we're headed towards. In Revelation 21, it talks about the new Jerusalem, the, the city that God, it, it won't be up in heaven. It says, it says the new city that God will put in a renewed and restored earth. And it says in that, that it will come out of heaven and it will come down to be so that we who have then our bodies have been made new again and resurrected, would be brought back to life, will we'll be a part of that. It says there, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. God says, behold, I'm making everything new. And in that city, it talks about how God, the dwelling place of God will now be with his people. And, and we'll have that, that experience. One day we will see it, right? That's the destination. That's the goal. In getting there, God has set, I would suggest God has set a goal for, for each of his followers, for each of those who, who've, for his people, for those who've said yes to Jesus and say, Lord, I, I, I want to trust my life to Jesus Christ. That, that 
If you're willing to say that, then this is the goal God set for you. And I'm just going to read from Romans 8. It's on your handout in the back. And I think this captures, I want, I want you to see as I read this, can you tell what destination, what goal has God set for his people, for you? It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them the right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So, so do you see what the destination is? What the goal is he has set for his people? He chose them to, to do what? To become like his son. He wants to do a work of spiritual transformation so that we bear the character of Christ. Right? The, the son of God who loved people more than we could ever imagine, who, who walked this earth and, and, and healed lepers and, and, and cared for the, the lost and the hurting, who, who, who loved his father and followed his father. He wants that same character to be for all of us, that he would be firstborn among many brothers. So... The problem is, we're not like Jesus, not very often and not very well, right? There's still a brokenness in us, a sinfulness in us. We are often selfish. We can easily drift into self-righteousness. Sin still has strong roots in our heart and life, and the brokenness of sin within us needs to be healed. We have habits that we just can't seem to break. We, we get addicted to things. And we, we find ourselves doing things we know we should not do. We have inner hurts that lead us to lash out at other people. Sometimes anger sprouts from us. And we, we can't seem to stop it. Right? We, we're, we're stuck in weakness. Right? We want to do what's right, but we find ourselves falling short. God has said to people like that, like us, right? because that's us, we all fall short. He says, I want to get you to this destination. That's what I'm calling the upward call. It's God's desire to transform us to be like Christ. The first Bible verse I, I ever got after as a Christian was 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Right? God just declares it to be. The old is gone, the new has come. So you think, ah, ha, that's great. I won't sin anymore now that I'm a Christian. Right? I'll just go through and I'll do it. The new, the new has come. And then you learn as you follow Christ, oh no, it, it, it's it's there, it's true, and yet it has to be activated. There's still that, that, that falling short that still happens. Um, we're not yet there. God sets the goal. God set the destination from before, you know, before we even ever responded to God, before we even existed, God set the goal that his people would become like Christ. And he's going to get us to that destination. And this is what Paul is talking about right before our passage 
Paul describes, you know, I want to know Christ and the power of resurrection and the fellowship of sharing and the suffering. He describes this relationship that we have with Christ. And then in our passage, it starts with, with him saying what? He says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. Right? He acknowledges, yeah, th- this is where God set me going, but I'm not there yet. And neither am I and neither are you. But God has placed upon us this call, this upward call. And so I want to go through our passage, and I want to highlight ten truths that come out of this that, that reflect this upward call that God has placed upon us and how he's at work within us. And so start, starting in verse 12. Now, the first three, Paul's talking about himself in verses 12 to 14. So he's using his, his personal language, you know, this, this, is, this is my experience. Then in verse 15, he shifts it to us. So I have three truths that reflect that, you know, me, and then seven truths that us, but it really applies to all of us. So the first truth you see in verse 12 is, Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Paul says, you know, not that I have attained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Or another translation, Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. We, he, he, when we give our lives to him, we're his, right? We, you know, he has, he has a hold on us. And we sing that great song, he will hold me fast, right? If your salvation is, you, if you're relying on your own strength and, 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 and determination, dude, you're in trouble. Don't do it, right? You're not, you, you, you're not strong enough. You're not good enough to make it to the destination on your own. You simply have to say, Lord Jesus, take me. I'm yours. And okay, he'll take you. So he's taken hold of you. And so you belong to him. And that truth changes us. I'm his. He gave his life for me. I give my life back to him. And knowing that we're his that moves us towards that goal. So I press on for what he has already taken hold of me for. Second truth, past failures don't rule over me. Oh, I love this line. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead. Right? We don't let the, the, the times we've fallen flat on our face We don't let the fact that brokenness and hurt and sin still erupts in our life and that we choose to do, to go against God at at times. We don't let that define us. We remember the truth. In Psalm 103, the psalm that I I meditated on as I did this, this ride this week with Psalm 103, it says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve But instead, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, that was an Old Testament promise looking forward to what Jesus would do for us. He could remove our transgressions because Christ Jesus would take them on his shoulders and give his life for us. So we don't let those sins, those failures, define who we are. They don't rule us. Instead, we we are ruled by God's word upon us. It says, you are mine. Keep going. Keep following me. Get back on the bike. You're going to get to the finish line. Third thing, 
that comes out of this. My eyes are set on the goal. So Paul is saying, you know, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call is, is drawing him towards that, that finish where one day our lives will truly, our heart, our, our character will truly reflect that of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is, is, is heading towards. Um, and so you set your goal on that. When you're on these bike rides, and I think the longest day I did this time was about 45 miles, and there's some, there are some hills in New York State I'm learning. It's not completely flat. And uh, the one day was, was pretty tough. And when you're doing that, you're, you're thinking about a few things. Mainly you're thinking about what will it be when I get to the end. And you're, you're thinking, okay, you know, whether it's dinner or ice cream or M&Ms, you usually have something that you're, some kind of goal. But you're also looking to the ultimate goal. Like, I want to get to the city, right? You're keeping your eyes, remembering when it's tough, you're, you're focusing on the, the end point. And that's, that's what that says, I am pursuing this goal even as I, I struggle through it, even, even in these times. Um, so those are the, the first three points. And then in verse, verse 15, Paul shifts gears a little bit. So he's saying, here's, here's my experience of it. And then he says, let us, let those of us all think the same way. So he, he shifts his language to, to, to talk about that. This, this is not just a special thing for me, Paul. This is for all of us. We're all called on this destination. We're all called on this journey. And so the fourth point, the truth, is, is we are to be mature in our thinking. Meaning we, we are to, to know that this is the goal God set for us. Know that, that there are times it won't be easy. right? That, that even though you know, we are new creations, the old is gone, the new has come, it's not going to happen automatic. I think when I was a young Christian... I thought overcoming sin in my life would be easy and, and no big deal. And then you learn. You become mature in your thinking to realize this is the journey. There are, there are roots of sin within us that I, when I was a new Christian, I didn't even understand or see. Right? You see yourself better as you follow Christ and you see there are things that maybe sometimes this comes from our, our hurts deep down um, or the way we respond to people. And God has to kind of reveal our own heart to us. And you don't see it until you start to see God change it in your life. We are to be mature in our thinking. Um, and God will reveal that. It says, and, you know, if anyone thinks otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. God shows us ourself as we follow Christ. And then the fifth part is, is we hold our ground. This is only let us hold true or let us hold our ground for what we've already attained. Right? We, we're fighting a spiritual battle. In Christ, we, we, we strive and we strain to grow and to learn, to, to, to get rid of the, the junk in our life so we more, might more faithfully live out for Christ. And, but, but Christians sometimes can get in a mode of... The, the, the Baptists use the word backsliding, right? Where, where like, you sort of, you forget the goal. 
right? And you, you go on autopilot. Yeah, you still come to church, and yeah, you still do religious things, but you, you stop progressing towards the destination. And sometimes you start regressing. You start getting drawn back into the things that you set behind you, that you know you don't want to have in your life, and you get drawn back into them. Right? Let us hold to what we've already attained. Don't, don't lose ground. Keep your focus on the one who took hold of you. Set your eyes on the destination, on the prize that he has for us. The sixth truth, we follow Jesus together. The one great thing about that ride is, is it is actually much easier to ride when you're, you're together with a group. And you're riding together, and you're going back and forth. And so I, I got to know my, my fellow volunteers, in the, especially a couple of guys. And so even on the days that we were allowed to ride, hey, let's ride together, and we rode We'd partner up and go different places and do some extra side trips. And, and, and so in the same as disciples of Christ, we follow Jesus together. The, the passage says, brothers, join in imitating me. The, that's actually that, that join in imitating is one big Greek word, sumimitai, and it means imitate together. Right? It's, you're not in this on your own. Imitate together. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So we learn from one another. We, we learn what it looks like to follow Christ as we see others do it. Now, we all have different personalities. So you never follow in the exact same way. And that's why it's good to have a body of people. Like, you're not called to imitate Christ exactly the way I do it. You have a different personality. But there'll, there'll be other brothers and sisters in the faith who you can probably learn from, who, who maybe have more of a similar thing. Like being a pastor, I kind of have a specialized role. But, but we learn from one another as a community following Jesus together. And that's how we're intended to, to follow. That's why we, it doesn't work to be a Lone Ranger Christian. We need to be a part of a community of people walking with Christ together. Seven. We won't let others take us off course. So Paul, in the midst of this, he gives a warning. And he says, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you with even tears, many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, my first reaction is this. Is think it's, he's talking about people who are against Christianity. People who are trying to stop um, you know, oppose the faith, maybe secular people or, you know, those, those progressives out there who want to try to go against the church. But then I look closer. That's not what he's talking about. He, he's not saying those who are enemies of Christ. He says many walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. He's actually referring to those within the Christian orbit who are relying on their good deeds and relying on a legalistic means of living out faith rather than trusting in the cross of Christ, rather than trusting in God's grace to, to lead us and to be our salvation. It's, it's those, that's when, when it's talk about their, um, their God is their belly, they glory in their shame, their mind is set on earthly things. It's talking about those who are trying to say, oh, you have to, especially their God is about, you have to keep all these food laws from the Old Testament. You have to keep all these, these things. That, that's where their focus went off. So he's, Paul is here referring to 
um, the, the legalists, the enemies of the cross, who have a legalistic spirit, spirit. And he said, don't be led astray. Don't be led off course by those who are going that direction. You do have to be careful when you do these rides with people because sometimes people will take these unauthorized side trips and you get in the habit as you ride along, you're just following the person in front of you. There's markings if you, you know, they actually mark the trail really good. And so if you, you could follow the markings, but sometimes you, you see someone go left and like, well, I'll go left as well. And it's easy to be led off course. You got to remember, you got to keep in, keep the, the, the markings that, that are set there to direct you. In the same way, we as, as Christians, we've got to keep, keep coming back to the leading of, of the Lord through his word, through his Holy Spirit, that we not be led astray from God's grace. The, the eighth point, our, our, our mind is set on things above. It talks about those who are the enemies of the cross of Christ. It says their mind are set on earthly things. Right? They're, they're thinking about what they're thinking about advancement within this world. They're thinking about getting the stuff of this world. They're thinking about being, being recognized within this world. It says, no, 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 no. To follow Christ, you put your mind on, on things above. Things in Colossians 3. Did I add that in the... Uh, I did not. Oh, yeah. Colossians 3 captures this so well. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. It's this idea of, of, of waking up each morning and coming before the Lord and giving him. Maybe, maybe what you need to do is give God the first 15 minutes, first 30 minutes of your day. Get a cup of coffee and Lord, show me from your word. Remind me, set my course for the day back on you so that I don't get caught up in the, the, the things of this world that, that lead me astray. The, the ninth truth. Our first loyalty is Christ's kingdom. So, so verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's think about that for a minute. Our citizenship. What does it mean to be a citizen? Well, the, the word in there, city, right? You, you hold your, in the ancient world especially, you held your, your connection to the city you lived in. And for the believers in Philippi, they would have kind of seen Philippi as their city, but Philippi was a special city. It was, it was a Roman city that they had imported a lot of Roman Romans from there. And so their, their actual citizenship, they would have said, they are Romans. In other words, there's a city far away called Rome. Philippi was in the area of Macedonia, Greece. And they said, we're actually citizens of the city of Rome because of our status that we have. And they would have thought of themselves that way. And, but he's saying to the Christians, your, your citizenship is actually a city even, even more more distant, right? The, the city of God, the city that one day will come down from heaven and you'll be a part of. Don't forget that is your city. Don't forget the destination. That's the city that, that you're, so your first loyalty is to Christ's kingdom. You're, you're placed in Christ's kingdom and now you're a part of it. So that's what we set as our, our ultimate loyalty. The last 
truth about this. So all of these truths have to do with this upward call, right? God set the destination, and even though we are, we are flawed and broken, he will get us to the end. And so the tenth one is we know that his power at work in us will get us there. God is at work to bring his people. He's at work within our hearts to, to transform us. Talks about how um, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. Now, one thing that's talking about is, is the fact that we will share in the resurrection of Christ. The future we have with God is not just an ethereal, spiritual existence up, up in the clouds. He's saying, just as Jesus was resurrected from the dead, so too will all who belong to Jesus. So it's saying his, his spirit is able to do that. When we, we die, we await for the return of Christ. His spirit is able to reconstitute our body. And we will have a body like his. I, that'll be great. Um, so he's able to do that. But he's also at work spiritually transforming us so that, that we will also be, bear the image of Christ in his character and, and, and who he is. That's the destination. And it's God's power at work. And I want to close just by thinking about that idea. How does God do it? How does God take people who are sinful, broken, failures, you know, fall flat on our face sometimes, people that, that mess up, that still struggle with sin, people who still ha- lash out in anger, people who, who get caught up in, in the things of the world, people who fall short oh, time and again when you don't. How, how does God do it? What's his plan? It's brilliant. God declares it to be true. He looks at us, looks at me, even though I am as I am, and says, you are my son. Looks at us and says, you are my son, you are my daughter. He he says, you are holy and righteous in my sight. And he does that through Christ. It's Christ's righteousness that counts as ours. But God declares us to be holy and righteous. He declares us to be new creations He declares us to be sons and daughters of God, even when we're not. Now, I declare things all the time. I can declare, you know, I can declare it's Taco Tuesday every day. Or I can make all these declarations, and my declarations may or may not come to be. It's it's 50-50, right? But when God declares something to be, it comes to be. Right? In creation, what did he do? Let there be light. And there was light. You know, let let this happen. And it happened. You see, because God could see the end from the beginning. He sees it all. And so when God declares us to be holy and righteous and sons and daughters of God, it's because he can already see the end product. It, it, It would be like if on one of those really tough riding days, I could go, go, go tell someone, you know, go tell myself, hey, I can already see you at the finish line, riding in. You're going to be there. I, I, I can see it happening, right? If I could travel back in time five days and say, you know, I know it's a struggle right now, but I see where you get to. That's what God does for us. He declares us 
to be holy and righteous and sons and daughters of God. And that places upon us this upward call. Right? That, that places upon us. You know, he, can, he declares to be and it becomes to be. That's the way God works in this, this image. And so, what's our job? Believe it. Believe what God said about you. And, and it works, right? Believe what God has said. We put our faith. God has said it. I'm his. And, and I know he, his, he will get me there. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. I'm made righteous through Christ. Believe it. I want to show a video that I think brings this truth about, how God gets us there, that upward call. And it is one I've shown before. And so if you, may, may, you may remember it. And what I want to do, we're going to do, you notice we're doing things a little different. Oftentimes we'll do communion before the message. We're doing it after for a purpose. I'm going to, as we show this video, I want you to be asking yourself, what destination has God set for me? Where does God want to get me to? What destination? So as you watch this video, but I want you to do two things. So I want to invite you to come and receive the communion elements. So we'll distribute the, the bread and the cup um, while, while the video is playing. And then I'll say the normal words and the prayers over it. So if the, usher, the elders and ushers can go ahead and come up. Um, so again, I'm gonna, um, we're going to pass out. You're invited to come forward to, to, to receive the elements, but I want you to hold on to them and go back to your seat. And then I'll, you know, I want, I want you to have them in your hands as we do the prayer today, but give thought to this video. And what does God say? What is God? What destination has God set for you? One, one other thing I would remind you that at here at East Glenville, we practice open communion, which means you don't have to be a member of this particular church. Anyone who wants to, to declare that Jesus Christ is their Lord, anyone who wants to affirm their faith, come and you can join us in, in this, this time together. So as the video plays, we invite you to come.